Section 68 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avahi in March 2020. The World's Story, Volume 10. England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 68. The Flight of Mary, Queen of Scots, to England. 1568. By Sir Walter Scott. In 1565, Mary, Queen of Scots, married her cousin Lord Darnley, but his debauchery soon aroused her regret for the act. Two years later, the house in which he lodged was blown up, and his lifeless body was found. There is little question that the Earl of Bothwell was the murderer. The favour that Mary had shown him, and the fact that she married him almost immediately after his divorce from his young wife, aroused suspicion that she was privy to the murder. The Scottish nobles rose against her, and she was taken to Edinburgh, and thence to an island in Loch Leven. Her escape from this place to England is described in the following extract. The Editor may i crave to know said roland whether if your grace were beyond the walls of the castle you could find means of conveyance to the firm land and protection when you are there trust us for that roland said the queen for to that point our scheme is indifferent well laid then if your grace will permit me to speak my mind i think i could be of some use in this matter as how my good youth speak on said the queen and fearlessly my patron the knight of avenel used to compel the youth educated in his household to learn the use of axe and hammer and working in wood and iron he used to speak of old northern champions who forged their own weapons and of the highland captain donald nan ord or donald of the hammer whom he himself knew, and who used to work at the anvil with a sledgehammer in each hand. Some said he praised this art because he himself was of child's blood. However, I gained some practice in it, as the Lady Catherine Satan partly knows, for since we were here I wrought her a silver brooch. "'Aye,' replied Catherine, but you should tell her grace that your workmanship was so indifferent that it broke to pieces next day, and I flung it away.' believe her not roland said the queen she wept when it was broken and put the fragments into her bosom but for your scheme could your skill avail to forge a second set of keys no madam because i know not the words but i am convinced i could make a set so like that hateful bunch which the lady bore off even now that could they be exchanged against them by any means she would never dream she was possessed of the wrong and the good dame thank heaven is somewhat blind said the queen but then for a forge my boy and the means of labouring unobserved the armourer's forge at which i used sometimes to work with him is the round vault at the bottom of the turret he was dismissed with the warder for being supposed too much attached to george douglas the people are accustomed to see me busy there and i warrant i shall find some excuse that will pass current with them for putting bellows and anvil to work 
the scheme has a promising face said the queen about it my lad with all speed and beware the nature of your work is not discovered nay i will take the liberty to draw the bolt against chance visitors so that i will have time to put away what i am working upon before i undo the door will not that of itself attract suspicion in a place where it is so current already said catherine not a whit replied roland gregory the armourer and every good hammerman locks himself in when he is about some masterpiece of craft besides something must be risked part we then to-night said the queen and god bless you my children if mary's head ever rises above water you shall all rise along with her roland succeeds in making the keys without being discovered the queen points out to him a tiny light in the house of one blinkhooly a gardener who lives across the lake and shows him how she can signal to her friends who are there awaiting her the keys had with the wonted ceremonial been presented to the lady lochleven she stood with her back to the casement which like that of the queen's apartment commanded a view of kinross with the church which stands at some distance from the town and nearer to the lake then connected with the town by straggling cottages with her back to the casement then and her face to the table on which the keys lay for an instant while she tasted the various dishes which were placed there stood the lady of lochleven more provokingly intent than usual so at least it seemed to her prisoners upon the huge and heavy bunch of iron the implements of their restraint just when having finished her ceremonious taster of the queen's table she was about to take up the keys the page who stood beside her and had handed her the dishes in succession looked sidewise to the churchyard and exclaimed he saw corpse candles in the vault the lady of lochleven was not without a touch though a slight one of the superstitions of the time the fate of her sons made her alive to omens and a corpse light as it was called in the family burial place boded death she turned her head towards the casement saw a distinct glimmering forgot her charge for one second and in that second were lost the whole fruits of her former vigilance the page held the forged keys under his cloak and with great dexterity exchanged them for the real ones his utmost address could not prevent a slight clash as he took up the latter bunch who touches the keys said the lady and while the page answered that the sleeve of his cloak had stirred them she looked round possessed herself of the bunch which now occupied the place of the genuine keys and again turned to gaze at the supposed corpse candles i hold these gleams she said after a moment's consideration to come not from the churchyard but from the hut of the old gardener blinkhooly i wonder what thrift that churl drives that of late he hath ever had light in his house till the night grew deep i thought him an industrious peaceful man if he turns resetter of idle companions and night-walkers the place must be rid of him he may work his baskets perchance said the page desirous to stop the train of her suspicion or nets may he not answered the lady ay madam said roland for trout and salmon or for fools and knaves replied the lady but this shall be looked after to-morrow 
I wish your grace and your company a good evening. Randall, attend us. And Randall, who waited in the antechamber after having surrendered his bunch of keys, gave his escort to his mistress as usual, while, leaving the queen's apartments, she retired to her own. Tomorrow, said the page, rubbing his hands with glee as he repeated the lady's last words, fools look to tomorrow, and wise folk use tonight. May I pray you, my gracious liege, to retire for one half hour until all the castle is composed to rest? I must go and rub with oil these blessed instruments of our freedom. Courage and constancy, and all will go well, provided our friends on the shore fail not to send the boat you spoke of. Fear them not, said Catherine. They are true as steel, if our dear mistress do but maintain her noble and royal courage. Thou'd not me, Catherine, replied the queen. A while since I was overborne, but I have recalled the spirit of my earlier and more sprightly days, when I used to accompany my armed nobles, and wished to be myself a man, to know what life it was to be in the fields with sword and buckler, jack and knapscap. Oh, the lark lives not a gayer life, nor sings a lighter and gayer song than the merry soldier, answered Catherine. Your grace shall be in the midst of them soon, and the look of such a liege sovereign will make each of your host worth three in the hour of need. But I must to my task. We have but brief time, said Queen Mary. One of the two lights in the cottage is extinguished. That shows the boat is put off. They will row very slowly, said the page, or Kent where depth permits to avoid noise to our several tasks. I will communicate with the good father. At the dead hour of midnight, when all was silent in the castle, the page put the key into the lock of the wicket which opened into the garden, and which was at the bottom of the staircase that descended from the queen's apartment. Now turn smooth and softly, thou good bolt, said he, if ever oil softened rust and his precautions had been so effectual that the bolt revolved with little or no sound of resistance. He ventured not to cross the threshold, but exchanging a word with the disguised abbot, asked if the boat were ready. This half hour, said the sentinel, she lies beneath the wall, too close under the eyelet to be seen by the warder, but I fear she will hardly escape his notice in putting off again. The darkness said the page, and our profound silence may take her off unobserved, as she came in. Hildebrand has the watch on the tower, a heavy-headed knave who holds a can of ale to be the best headpiece upon a night watch. He sleeps for a wager. Then bring the queen, said the abbot, and I will call Henry Satan to assist him to the boat. On tiptoe, with noiseless step and suppressed breath, Trembling at her every rustle of their own apparel, one after another the fair prisoners glided down the winding stair, under the guidance of Roland Graham, and were received at the wicked gate by Henry Satan and the churchmen. The former seemed instantly to take upon himself the whole direction of the enterprise. "'My lord abbot,' he said, "'give my sister your arm. I will conduct the queen.' and that youth will have the honour to guide Lady Fleming. 
this was no time to dispute the arrangement although it was not that which roland graham would have chosen catherine satan who well knew the garden path tripped on before like a sylph rather leading the abbot than receiving assistance the queen her native spirit prevailing over female fear and a thousand painful reflections moved steadily forward by the assistance of henry satan while the lady fleming encumbered with her fears and her helplessness roland graham who followed in the rear and who bore under the other arm a packet of necessaries belonging to the queen the door of the garden which communicated with the shore of the islet yielded to one of the keys of which roland had possessed himself although not until he had tried several a moment of anxious terror and expectation the ladies were then partly led partly carried to the side of the lake where a boat with six rowers attended them the man couched along the bottom to secure them from observation henry satan placed the queen in the stern the abbot offered to assist catherine but she was seated by the queen's side before he could utter his proffer of help and roland graham was just lifting lady fleming over the boatside when a thought suddenly occurred to him and explaining forgotten forgotten wait for me but one half minute he replaced on the shore the helpless lady of the bedchamber threw the queen's packet into the boat and sped back through the garden with the noiseless speed of a bird on the wing by heaven he is false at last said satan i ever feared it he is as true said catherine as heaven itself and that i will maintain be silent minion said her brother for shame if not for fear fellows put off and row for your lives help me help me on board said the deserted lady fleming and that louder than prudence warranted put off put off cried henry satan leave all behind so the queen is safe will you permit this madam said catherine imploringly you leave your deliverer to death i will not said the queen satan i command you to stay at every risk pardon me madam if i disobey said the intractable young man and with one hand lifting in lady fleming he began himself to push off the boat she was two fathoms length from the shore and the rowers were getting her head round when roland graham arriving bounded from the beach and attained the boat overturning satan on whom he alighted the youth swore a deep but suppressed oath and stopping graham as he stepped towards the stern said your place is not with high-born dames keep at the head and trim the vessel now give way give way row for god and the queen the rowers obeyed and began to pull vigorously why did you not muffle the oars said roland graham the dash must awaken the sentinel row lads and get out of reach for shot for had not old hildebrand the warder supped upon poppy porridge this whispering must have waked him it was all thine own delay said satan thou shalt reckon with me after for that and other matters but roland's apprehension was verified too instantly to permit him to reply the sentinel whose slumbering had withstood the whispering was alarmed by the dash of the oars his challenge was instantly heard a boat a boat bring two or i shoot and as they continued to ply their oars he called aloud 
treason treason rung the bell of the castle and discharged his harquebus at the boat the ladies crowded on each other like startled wild fowl at the flash and report of the piece while the men urged the rowers to the utmost speed they heard more than one ball whiz along the surface of the lake at no great distance from their little bark and from the lights which glanced like meteors from window to window it was evident the whole castle was alarmed and their escape discovered pull again exclaimed satan stretch to your oars or i will spur you to the task with my dagger they will launch a boat immediately that is cared for said roland i locked the gate and wicket on them when i went back and no boat will stir from the island this night if doors of good oak and bolts of iron can keep men within stone walls and now i resign my office of porter of loch leven and give the keys to the kelpie's keeping as the heavy keys plunged into the lake the abbot who till then had been repeating his prayers exclaimed now bless thee my son for thy ready prudence puts shame to us all i knew said mary drawing her breath more freely as they were now out of reach of the musketry i knew my squire's truth promptitude and sagacity i must have him dear friends with my no less true knights douglas and satan but where then is douglas here madam answered the deep and melancholy voice of the boatman who sat next her and who acted as steersman alas was it you who stretched your body before me said the queen when the balls were raining around us believe you he said in a low tone that douglas would have resigned to any one the chance of protecting his queen's life with his own the dialogue was here interrupted by a shot or two from one of those small pieces of artillery called falconets then used in defending castles the shot was too vague to have any effect but the broader flash the deeper sound the louder return which was made by the midnight echoes of benarty terrified and imposed silence on the liberated prisoners the boat was alongside of a rude quay or landing-place running out from a garden of considerable extent ere any of them again attempted to speak they landed and while the abbot returned thanks aloud to heaven which had thus far favoured their enterprise douglas enjoyed the best reward of his desperate undertaking in conducting the queen to the house of the gardener mary here learns that the gardener was formerly a well-known abbot he gives her his blessing horses are brought up and soon the queen and her friends are at the castle of satan within a few days some six thousand men gather around her banner battle follows mary's troops are routed and she herself has to flee for her life it is decided that she shall appeal to the hospitality of queen elizabeth of england and a message to that effect has been sent to the english warden at this moment a bugle sounded loudly from the beach it is the death blast to queen mary's royalty said ambrosius the english warden's answer has been received favourable doubtless for when was the door of the trap closed against the prey which it was set for droop not roland this matter shall be sifted to the bottom but we must not now leave the queen follow me 
let us do our duty and trust the issue with god farewell good father i will visit thee again soon he was about to leave the garden followed by roland with half reluctant steps the ex-abbot resumed his spade i could be sorry for these men he said ay and for that poor queen but what avail earthly sorrows to a man of fourscore and it is a rare dropping morning for the early colwart he is stricken with age said ambrosius as he dragged roland down to the sea-beach we must let him take his time to collect himself nothing now can be thought on but the fate of the queen they soon arrived where she stood surrounded by her little train and by her side the sheriff of cumberland a gentleman of the house of lowther richly dressed and accompanied by soldiers the aspect of the queen exhibited a singular mixture of alacrity and reluctance to depart her language and gestures spoke hope and consolation to her attendants and she seemed desirous to persuade even herself that the step she adopted was secure and that the assurance she had received of kind reception was altogether satisfactory but her quivering lip and unsettled eye betrayed at once her anguish at departing from scotland and her fears of confiding herself to the doubtful faith of england welcome my lord abbot she said speaking to ambrosius and you roland avenel we have joyful news for you our loving sister's officer proffers us in her name a safe asylum from the rebels who have driven us from our own only it grieves me we must here part from you for a short space part from us madam said the abbot is your welcome in england then to commence with the abridgment of your train and dismissal of your counsellors take it not thus good father said mary the warden and the sheriff faithful servants of our royal sister deem it necessary to obey her instructions in the present case even to the letter and can only take upon them to admit me with my female attendants an express will instantly be dispatched from london assigning me a place of residence and i will speedily send to all of you whenever my court shall be formed your court formed in england and while elizabeth lives and reigns said the abbot that will be when we shall see two sons in one heaven do not think so replied the queen we are well assured of our sister's good fate elizabeth loves fame and not all that she has won by her power and her wisdom will equal that which she will acquire by extending her hospitality to a distressed sister not all that she may hereafter do of good wise and great would blot out the reproach of abusing our confidence farewell my page now my knight farewell for a brief season i will dry the tears of catherine or i will weep with her till neither of us can weep longer she held out her hand to roland who flinging himself on his knees kissed it with much emotion he was about to render the same homage to catherine when the queen assuming an air of sprightliness said her lips thou foolish boy and catherine coy it not these english gentlemen should see that even in our cold clime beauty knows how to reward bravery and fidelity 
we are not now to learn the force of scottish beauty or the metal of scottish valour said the sheriff of cumberland courteously i would it were in my power to beat these attendants upon her who is herself the mistress of scottish beauty as welcome to england as my poor cares would make them but our queen's orders are positive in case of such an emergency and they must not be disputed by her subjects may i remind your majesty that the tide ebbs fast the sheriff took the queen's hand and she had already placed her foot on the gangway by which she was to enter the skiff when the abbot starting from a trance of grief and astonishment at the words of the sheriff rushed into the water and seized upon her mantle she foresaw it she foresaw it he exclaimed she foresaw your flight into her realm and foreseeing it gave orders you should be thus received blinded deceived doomed princess your fate is sealed when you quit this strand queen of scotland thou shalt not leave thine heritage he continued holding a still firmer grasp upon her mantle true man shall turn rebels to thy will that they may save thee from captivity or death fear not the bills and bows whom that gay man has at his beck we will withstand him by force oh for the arm of my warlike brother roland avenel draw thy sword the queen stood irresolute and frightened one foot upon the plank the other on the sand of her native shore which she was quitting forever what needs this violence sir priest said the sheriff of cumberland i came hither at your queen's command to do her service and i will depart at her least order if she rejects such aid as i can offer no marvel is it if our queen's wisdom foresaw that such chance as this might happen amidst the turmoils of your unsettled state and while willing to afford fair hospitality to her royal sister deemed it wise to prohibit the entrance of a broken army of her followers into the english frontier you hear said queen mary gently unloosing her robe from the abbot's grasp that we exercise full liberty and choice in leaving this shore and questionless the choice will remain free to us in going to france or returning to our own dominions as we shall determine besides it is too late your blessing father and god speed thee may he have mercy on thee princess and speed thee also said the abbot retreating but my soul tells me i look on thee for the last time the sails were hoisted the oars were plied the vessel went freshly on her way through the firth which divides the shores of cumberland from those of galloway but not till the vessel diminished to the size of a child's frigate did the doubtful and dejected and dismissed fellowers of the queen cease to linger on the sands and long long could they discern the kerchief of mary as she waved the oft-repeated signal of adieu to her faithful adherents and to the shores of scotland End of section sixty eight